0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that out. Well, happiest of Fridays to y'all. Hope things are going well in your neck of the woods and, and whatnot. I want to start off today with another rumor that's, um, you know, am I'm, 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 I act annoyed, but I'm really glad that these things keep happening because it's, It's something, you know what I mean? It's given me something to talk about. The only reason it's annoying is because they're all just the same kind of rumors. And I'm just going to say the same thing every time. If I, and I've said this before, if I really wanted to do better with this podcast, granted, I would lose a lot of my current listeners, but if I wanted it to grow rapidly, I'd probably just start putting stock in all this stuff. But allegedly Aaron Rodgers is out there lobbying to get people to come to Green Bay. And one of those people is Richard Sherman. Now, I don't know when and where this happened. I did see a video of Mike Silver saying he wanted Richard Sherman to go to Green Bay. But um, somewhere out there, he had said that uh, Rodgers is making phone calls. A couple things. Number one, no idea if any of that is true. Number two, I don't know what that means. We've seen Aaron Rodgers, quote unquote, try to recruit people. It's usually not that big of a deal. It's him kind of just making some kind of sideways comment, you know, hey man, you come over here, or, you know what? I mean, just what? It's just talk. Think about it this way: if you were Aaron Rodgers, and let's just say you were having a conversation with Richard Sherman, let's say that the premise of the conversation was not "I'm going to call him to see if I can get him here." Let's just say it was a conversation between friends, for whatever reason. If you were Aaron Rodgers and you were the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers and Richard Sherman was a free agent, and part of that conversation was, I'm looking for the right team, do you think at some point in that conversation you would say, you should come here? Even if just out of politeness? Come on, man. You know you want to come here. Ha 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 ha. Anyways, I got to get going, man. I'm, you know, having fun with, uh, you know, Disney princesses or something. I don't know. I'm not implying it. I'm just, they were at Disney World. I, I could, I was thinking of Mickey Mouse and it, I couldn't think of it. It is funny, though, picturing him, like, wearing the dress. You know, they they got that whole thing where they'll make you up. They probably don't have adult sizes. Maybe they do. I don't know. But, you know, Shailene's like, let's go do princess stuff. And he's like, all right, fine. Not knowing. <laughs> he was, you know, I don't know. It's it's funny. I thought it was funny. It got weird quick, but I thought it was funny in, in the in the first moment when I thought of it. And I, sorry, I said it out loud. So back to Richard Sherman. It would make sense... That it would just come up. Now, if you're Mike Silver and somehow you hear that Aaron Rodgers said you should come here, wouldn't you blast it out there that Rodgers is trying to recruit him? So that's what I mean by I don't know exactly what that means or how serious of a quote-unquote recruitment it is. Beyond that, we're, we're skimming around the obvious here. Aaron Rodgers has no authority to bring anybody over. Right. I can talk to you on the phone and be like, dude, you should come work with me at the VA, man. It'd be sweet. Problem is, we're not hiring. And even if we were hiring, maybe they don't want to hire you. It almost doesn't even make sense. Because unlike me, when I know that they're hiring or not, because I'm going to find out because, you know, word gets out or whatever. I know what positions we're hiring for. I can see it online. Oh, here's the positions. Aaron Rodgers doesn't know. So what sense would it make while he's out vacationing that he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump on the phone and start calling people and tell them to come be Green Bay Packers. has nothing to do with anything. From that standpoint, it makes it seem almost unlikely that that would happen in any real sense outside of the first scenario that I talked about where it just came up casually in conversation. And it wasn't a genuine recruitment. It was just like, hey, man, I'd love to have you here. We'd be dominant together. Imagine it, right? It'd be awesome. That was probably followed up by Richard Sherman saying, yeah, it'd be cool if Green Bay wanted me. Now, the the final scenario in which this could possibly be real is if, for example, Green Bay does really want Richard Sherman. However, Richard Sherman is just kind of, you know, biding his time, waiting to see what's out there. He's already said he's going to wait and... Um, you know, wait for thing the dust to settle and for teams to get more desperate. You know, after the draft, you know, maybe some teams are like, I don't know, we'll see what happens. But some of these teams are going to end up missing on corners and they're going to start getting more desperate as time goes on. They may be a little bit more interested in reaching out to Sherman with maybe some slightly better offers. If that's the case, because it's also possible Sherman just isn't really getting offers at all. But if it is the case that the Packers are trying to get him and Sherman is like, I don't know, man, I think I'm going to wait. Maybe they did call Rogers and say, hey, would you mind lobbying for us? Could you make a few calls? And it's it's not impossible. That might be common practice. You know, we're trying to win a couple guys to come to Green Bay. Would you mind making some calls for us? It's possible. And if you like the idea and if it's fun to play with, like I said yesterday, if you want to just have fun with it because it's all not necessarily fake, but as long as there's a crack in that door that it's a possibility, just run with it. I don't care. I don't think that's the case. And the biggest reason why I don't think that there's two reasons why I don't think that's the case. Number one, according to over the cap. And again, I don't think anybody knows 100%, but uh, roughly the Packers are $2.5 million under the cap. In other words, they have $2.5 million to spend. That is not $2.5 million to spend on Richard Sherman. That is $2.5 million, which is not enough to even sign the draft class, which is going to be getting drafted in three weeks. They have to find more money in the next three weeks or we don't have a draft class. Now, I don't know when we have to sign them, I don't know if it's like the next day or what, but we have got to find money soon. And I can't imagine signing Richard Sherman is at the top of the list in terms of how we're going to manage our salary cap. On top of that, if you sign Richard Sherman, you're probably not wanting to sign him to a long-term contract. So the Packers, thank goodness, will not be able to do what they've been doing for the last several weeks, which is pushing money into the future. That is to say, if you're going to sign, if the Packers were going to sign Richard Sherman, the only way they could possibly do it is to sign him to a multi-year contract and pay him almost nothing today and pay him way too much tomorrow. A guy that you have no idea if he's any good, he's way too old, and you're going to have to pay him a ton of money next year? That's crazy. So again, if we do this in reverse, the Packers don't want him. So if it's even true that Aaron Rodgers ever talked to Richard Sherman about coming to Green Bay, I think it was in casual conversation. I don't think there was anything real or substantive because Aaron Rodgers has no authority to bring people over. He has no idea if the Packers are trying to bring people over. None of that. On top of that, it kind of makes the whole Kevin King thing a little weird. If you're trying to get Richard Sherman, get Richard Sherman. If you're trying to get Kevin King, get Kevin King. Why would you get both? I understand that you want to get Richard Sherman, and he's kind of holding out, and you're getting nervous. You're like, fine, just bring King back while you can. But once you make that decision, you've made that decision. If you bring in Richard Sherman, then you're paying Kevin King to sit on the bench, which, to be honest, that might be the best spot for him based on his performance this past year and his injury history and age and everything else. But the whole thing is just kind of, you know, it's, it's just, I, I, I saw it. Michael Silver, Silver says he's trying to bring in Sherman, and it's like, oh, come on. There's so many layers of stupid to this. I just, I don't care. My, my top two guesses, number one, he made it up out of thin air or, or he got some kind of sliver of, of nonsense that isn't true and ran with it. You know, you, you, it could have just been he heard that they had a conversation and then he just ran with, the, he's trying to recruit him, which is silly. Or again, they were having a casual conversation in which, hey man, you should come to Green Bay came up, which again is just polite conversation. There's nothing real there. Anyways, coming off that, um, I got a question here from Eric John Anderson in the Facebook group. He did a mock draft, and then he said, can you get a YouTube breakdown of Austin Watkins of UAB? Um, not going to do a YouTube thing, but I can do a podcast thing. He says, I'm curious how the surest hands in the draft is dropping to the bottom of the fourth, which, good on you, because that was one of my notes that I was going to, uh, I didn't even read the rest of your question, and I was like, oh, shoot, he gave away half of what I know about him. I was going to be like the big the big finisher man, but yeah, that that is uh, what he's he's known for he's got fantastic hands so austin watkins wide receiver out of uab six foot three 210 pounds obviously one of the biggest concerns and this isn't always a big thing but uab is a very small school and even if you're very good like jalen darden at a very small school you're probably going to go late because i mean imagine what Devonte smith or jamar chase would do at a place like uab they would probably be breaking school records so there's always that. Now, sure, hands doesn't have anything to do with that. That's just a great trait that you have. 6'3 has nothing to do with that. But you can, the point is you can be a subpar athlete with subpar route running and subpar speed and still do quite well out there. Whereas if you played for Alabama, for Wisconsin, for Stanford, I don't know, you, you're going to struggle more. Honestly, after kind of reading up on the guy and looking at him, um, the one guy that keeps coming to mind for me is Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison was that guy that he never really had a high ceiling, but he always kind of had a high floor. You're always just going to get something out of him. He's going to come through in the clutch. He's going to catch that one really clutch pass on third down. He's not going to drop it. He is going to come through, but he's never going to be anything more than just what Geronimo Allison is. And so, you know, every once in a while, somebody would, would say that, you know, Geronimo is about to break out, but obviously he never did. But it's di- different than MVS, and I don't expect MVS. I'm, I'm still, and I don't want to go on a tirade about this, but one of the things that cracks me up is when people say we need to give MVS time to develop. Like, you do know how long he's been with his team, right? Why do we act like he's been with the team for one year? He's been a very consistent player at one level for three years. He's also probably overperforming based on where he was drafted. So, But anyways. But Geronimo was just Geronimo. And if you remember, I had always said Geronimo kind of reminded me of Richard Rodgers. Richard Rodgers was just always that one guy who was he was never going to be anything special but he was never really terrible you, you didn't dislike him you never really got mad at him for being just bad but he never really took over a game he would just occasionally pop up and remind you he's still on the team by making some clutch third down catch I think that's what most people see with Austin Watkins six foot three 210 pounds great hands He's always going to be, he's got a really high floor. He's always going to give you, at, at the very least, he's going to give you that. The problem is he does not have a high ceiling. He's really not a very good athlete. Doesn't really jump off the line. You know, just not a very clean route runner. I think people just see him as kind of boring. If we look at, uh, for example, and you know, I've looked at a couple different profiles here, but here's, here's a very concise thing that Tony Pauline put about him. Plays to one speed, lacks a burst, isn't a vertical threat, inconsistent running routes throughout his college career. And then this, this, this is his final analysis. And based on what I've seen from PFF, the Draft Network, and now Pauline, I think this is a good and concise way to wrap this up. Watkins was a consistent receiver at UAB and displayed progress in his game each year. He's not a vertical threat, but would be a nice, solid fourth wideout in a timing offense. In other words, Geronimo, right? I mean that that's that, and, and that's his ceiling. At best, he's giving you Geronimo. And kind of at worst, you're, you're getting Geronimo. And of course, that's that's not 100%. The, the, it's possible everybody's just wrong. I'm just telling you what the consensus is about him. Maybe he's going to be great. Maybe he's not even going to make a roster. I don't know. But this is sort of the consensus across three different profiles that I've seen. He's semi-high semi floor because of his big size and his good hands and all that kind of stuff. But he's also very low ceiling. He's just going to give you that that real boring baseline. But since we're uh, talking about the draft, there was a very important question that came up that just reminded me of something that uh, I've been wanting to do for a while but keep forgetting. Mr. Ernie Lima says, Hi, Ryan, who's the best punt returner in the 2021 draft? That's a great question because we always kind of just look at the, the positions of need as being wide receiver, corner, linebacker, blah, 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 blah. It's funny how we all forgot how dire how horrible our special teams was now yes we got rid of our special teams coordinator and brought somebody else in but we don't have a single player outside of our kicker and punter and most of you don't agree with me on the punter thing and granted mason crosby is you know probably more clutch than jk scott but whatever the the blocking and 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 gunner group horrific i mean again i think we had like one guy that graded out okay that's terrible So it would make sense if we started to lean toward guys that are good at that, especially in the later rounds, because you're not getting the best of, of hardly anything. Once you get into like the fourth round, you can maybe get the best fullback. It's possible you snag the best like center, you know, because you're probably getting like the fourth one and maybe he ends up being the best. I don't know, but you could probably start looking at the best returner, the best gunner, the best special teamers that have, you know, maybe, maybe they're like a fifth round value as a wide receiver. But we're going to take him in the fourth because, you know, maybe he can be a decent wide receiver. But, hey, he's also one of the best and most electrifying returners in football. You know, that kind of thought process. So it's, it's going to be something that we can start rooting for as the draft progresses. And so we can try to keep these names in the back of our mind because when they draft them and we're like, oh, man, I don't really care about that. And then you remember, oh, wait, this guy's a real good special teamer. Something to keep in mind. So first on this list, and we'll, we'll start with punters. Because some of you want a new punter and, you know, whatever. I don't know. Who cares? Or some of you, like me, are just excited about punters. And if you're super jacked about punters and you don't think JK is very good, then you can get excited about these guys. But Max Duffy out of Kentucky is sort of the consensus number one guy. Um, He's got an absolute cannon for a leg. If you look at the top top ranked guys... um, I mean, if you're just kind of skimming the top ten in their longest punts, you got 50, 56, 61, 60, 58, 64, 61, 64, 61. Max Duffy, 75 yards. <laughs> he basically booted an entire football field. Um, again, punting stats are not great. His yards per attempt are 70, or four, 75, 45.2, but again, that's his punt minus how long it took for his guys to go down there and tackle him. Also, it takes into account touchbacks, which if you're punting from 50 yards out, that kind of cuts your your length down. So it, it's, it's somewhat useless to me. Actually, his net is 42.2. That's what we're talking about. Yards, never mind. I got it backwards, but it doesn't matter. His hang time, though, is not all that great. 3.79. Now again, wh- why? Well, maybe he's just a line drive punter. I don't know. Which isn't great, by the way. Also would explain why he kicks it farther than most people, but his net is kind of about average or lower than a lot of other punters. But anyways, that's kind of the guy. There is, however, somebody else that I think is intriguing that I believe is going to be available that I don't see anybody else talking about, and I'm going to have a heck of a time trying to say his name. And because we're talking about punters, I'm, I also have no idea if he's going back to school. I don't know why he would. He graded out nearly as high, and, and his stats are arguably arguably better. But that's Kirk Christodulo, C-R-I-S-T-O-D-O-U-L-O-U. I don't know. But the cool thing about it, not only did he grade almost as well as Max Duffy did, but outside of the cannon of a leg that Max Duffy has, he kind of seems to be more of a technician. He's got 24 punts kicked inside the 20-yard line. Although his longest was 61, and his yards per attempt is lower than Max Duffy, his net yardage is actually higher, and it could just be that he has a better punt return unit, but it could also be the fact that he has a 4.2 hang time. Just saying. Uh, Ripping through another couple of guys, and again, I don't know exactly who's going to be available but um jake camarda out of Georgia forty six point seven yards per attempt which is about the highest that we're gonna be talking about outside of Lou Headley 64 was his longest 18 inside the 20 4.25 hang time which is silliness Ben Griffith out of USC um the yardage again not all that impressive but four point three six hang time which is even more and more and more craziness so Again, just a couple names that are out there, and and again, outside of maybe Max Duffy, I think most of these guys are going to be undrafted free agents. I would just guess, and I'm not even sure when Max Duffy is expected to go. The only person I see talking about it is uh, Walter Cherapinski over here, and he has him between rounds four and six. He does have a couple other guys he thinks might get drafted, like Derek Adams, James Smith, whatever, I don't know. But the point is, and this is why a lot of people say don't draft punters, a lot of these guys are very good. I mean, you're talking about guys graded in the 80s and 90s, and a lot of these guys are not going to be um, drafted. And by the way, Jake Camarda is actually a kicker and punter, I guess. I don't know. By the way, I know a lot of you are like, why is he talking about this? This is boring. Listen, there is a possibility that they're going to be drafting, I would say, more likely a kicker than a punter. And I know that's going to make people very angry. People were angry when we drafted a punter, and we desperately needed one. But let me just say this. Even if they don't draft somebody, they're certainly going to be bringing somebody else in as an undrafted free agent. But it feels to me, and it's always been kind of silly, because Mason Crosby's still very good, and um, I mean, kickers cost almost nothing, but it just, I just have this feeling like they want to shed his contract. Like, they don't like spending the, whatever it is, $2 million or whatever, or $4 million to have a kicker. And yes, he is getting older, and at some point we are going to have to move on, and that stinks, but... Um, we know for a fact that uh, Brian Gutekunst is not afraid to use a draft pick on a special teamer. Our punter and long snapper, who is not great, were draft picks. And again, I think they want to shed Mason Crosby. And, and, and I don't mean that to, to sound harsh or cold, like they don't like him. It's just they're trying to find somebody younger and cheaper. So... Um, as far as something else that's going to cause Packers fans, because, again, I'm struggling to find, like, what's that thing? Because every year they do something more and more and more egregious to, to really mu- a- make Packer fans angry. They're not going to be drafting a quarterback early. Um, I don't know what they could do early outside of that that would make people mad. There aren't a lot of things they could do outside of a running back, which would I almost think there's no chance. But the one thing they could possibly do is take a kicker real early. And I'll be honest, you you know me, I'm I'm stupid that way. That the general consensus, and it's probably true, is you don't draft kickers, punters, whatever. But I kind of don't mind it. Now I, I don't like this as much as I like drafting J.K. Scott because I like Mason Crosby a lot, and I don't want him to go anywhere. But I understand how important kickers are, and anybody that's been watching, as for a team that's been mocking. It's in, and you can say the same about Jordan Love. For a team that's been mocking the Vikings and the Bears and a bunch of other teams for their struggle to find kickers and how we just laugh and laugh because they just lose games because they're missing field goals and double doink and all that, we should also understand the importance of kickers. When you struggle to find one, it is miserable. And you start begging to bring guys back, and you start bringing in all these old scrubs, and you're overpaying for guys that are just not good anymore, and then you end up cutting them, and just like, it's this constant revolving door of guys that just ruin games for you. It's a miserable thing. And and the reason I say this is true of Jordan Love, too, is we're mocking everybody else for their quarterback woes. I really don't ever want to be in that situation, because that is a miserable situation to be in, so it'd be nice if we uh, if we had somebody waiting in the wings and could can just continue dominating and laughing at the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions. But I'm I'm, I'm just going to flat out say, not that it's necessarily a good chance, but again, he's not afraid to use draft capital to get kickers and punters and long snappers. I genuinely believe they've been trying to push him out for a while. They've just not found the right option, similar to what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Again, not that they're trying to push him out, but it's like, You can't because he won MVP, and we don't have anybody waiting in the wings. We have not brought anybody in that's a very good kicker, and Mason's doing a good job. But the second that switches, the second we bring in a kicker that's promising, Mason's gone, and that's the end of it. So anyways, and again, I don't know exactly who is going to be, you know, declaring or whatever. These are people that can declare... I see uh, Walter has Evan McPherson as the top guy out of Florida. PFF has him as the 10th highest graded um, kicker. There are, however, maybe like four, three, four guys that are considered elite. and, And one of them is even listed as a wide receiver. So he's a wide receiver slash kicker, I guess. I don't know. But the top, top guy. And again, I don't know if he's staying or going or what the situation is. Um, Again, I don't know why you would stay if you have the opportunity. And he's been in college for four years, so I have to assume that this is uh, legit. But the highest is a kicker who uh, transferred to Miami and absolutely killed it. Uh, Jose Boragales, 37 of 37 on extra points, 5 of 5 on 20-yard field goals, 6 of 6 on 30-yard, 7 of 9 on 40-yard field goals, and 2 for 2 on 50-yard field goals. In all, he was 20 of 22. Um, the Auburn wide receiver slash kicker also had an elite grade, 90.4 overall, 24 of 25 on extra points. You don't like to see missed extra points. I'll be flat out honest about that. But was also 20 of 22 on field goal, 8 of 8 on 20 yards, uh, 5 of 6 on 30 yard, 5 of 5 on 40 yards, 2 of 3 on 50 yards. The thing I don't really like about that is he's missing easy stuff. At least with Jose, it's like you are you miss two from the 40-yard range. That's somewhat acceptable. Mason Crosby, uh, out of this list, is going to have, you know, the, the 40 to 50 yards. That's where you're going to start missing some. But when you got, like, I've missed three, and two of them were from 30 yards out, and one of them was an extra point, like, eh, it's a little iffy for me. After that, you have Braden Narvison. And keep in mind, some of these guys may be available as, as free agents. And if they make it to free agency, there's going to be a mad dash to try to get these guys. But Braden was 27 of 27 on extra points. Didn't kick a ton of field goals, but only missed one. He's uh, 1 of 1 from 20 yards out, 5 of 5 for 30, 6 of 6 from 40, and was 1 of 2 from 50 yards out. The other guy, 89.1, close enough for me. But Brian Johnson out of Virginia Tech, 100%, 34 out of 34 for extra points, but was 20 of 26 on field goals, which isn't great. Uh, 100% from 0 to 19 yards out, one of the few that actually kicked a field goal from that range, and he made it. Four of four in the 20s, four of five from the 30s, eight of nine from the 40s, but only three of seven from 50 yards out, which is pretty iffy. But again, those are some of the names, and and it's just most importantly, and I'm not saying they're going to, but it wouldn't surprise me, especially if we're talking like seventh round, if, if like the top kicker made it, or Braden Narvison out of Western Kentucky made it that far, might be worth a look. I'm not opposed to it. I don't want to see him take him in like the fifth round. By the way, I might as well mention Evan McPherson because, again, he seems to be what most people think is the top guy. Um, he, he does kick a lot in Florida, so he's 52 of 52 for extra points. So he's an ace from that range. I mean, the highest we had mentioned before was 37. But he's 17 of 22 on field goals, 4 of 4 from 20 yards, 7 of 7 from 30, 2 of 4 from 40, and 4 of 7 from 50. I still kind of like Jose. All right, now we get into things you probably care a little bit more about. I'm going to save the return guys for a little bit because you know you got to save the best for last. But I do have the ability to look at grades as far as special team, as in blocking, tackling, etc. First of all, the top guy um, in all of college football is Mr. Janarius Robinson. Now, this is kind of interesting because I will be honest, I don't know the name all that well. I plugged it into the draft network, which isn't usually the the one I use. It's just the easiest to search with. Um, they don't have a picture for the guy, which means they probably haven't put a lot of work into him. I mean, they, they have the profile and everything else, but he's currently sitting at 74th on their board. So if I were to guess, I would say for some reason, he has just recently shot up everybody's board because you've got a guy that you're saying is like a third-round prospect and you don't even have a picture for him. Uh, PFF has him as a fifth-round prospect, but again, he is the top-graded special teamer um, in all of college football, and you think, well, it's kind of a weird place for an edge rusher to be that top guy. You'd expect wide receiver, safety corner, whatever or big ol' offensive lineman blocking. So what does he do? Field goal blocking. He's real good off that edge blocking field goals. Another guy that's really interesting is Mr. Avery Williams, cornerback out of Boise State. Um, I mean, this is a very, very late-round guy, possibly an undrafted free agent. He's not even in the PFF uh, draft guide. But over the last three of his last four years, he's graded out basically elite on special teams. But not only that, he's actually grades out very, very well on kickoffs and punts so in all three phases or however many phases you want to call it he does absolute absolutely everything on special teams and he does it well he averages 26.7 yards on kick returns which is fantastic and 13.7 yards on punt returns he has two touchdowns on kickoff returns in just in 2020 and he only played one two three four five six seven games he added a punt return touchdown against san jose state so three touchdowns on special teams in seven games. So about 50%. So Avery Williams is pretty interesting. And again, it's one of those guys where it's like, yeah, he's a corner. Maybe he'll come in and compete, blah, blah, blah. We'll see how it goes. He's, he's a special teams guy. And it's almost impossible that he's not going to find a job, right? Are you our punt returner? No. Okay. How about our kick returner? No. Okay. How about a gunner? So again, that's a guy where I'm just, just telling you, keep it in the back of your mind. Try. Cause I'm probably going to forget too. If we take a guy like Avery Williams in the fifth round and everybody says that's way too early, he's a really terrible cornerback and all that stuff, just remember, this ain't about being a cornerback. Other than that, and again, I can give you names. The problem is I don't know if these guys are, go- are going to be declaring for the draft or if they're going back to school. I don't know. None of these guys show up in any of the <laughs> any of the boards, so they're clearly just special teamers. So, I mean, I can give you a name, but I've gone through about 30 prospects and those are about the only ones that are that are kind of popping up for me. But it is something that I'll be keeping a, you know, a pretty good eye on in the draft to see what could... The, I don't care about first, second, third round. If you're a first, second, third round pick, I don't want you on special teams unless you've proven you're not very good, then we'll explore it. Starting in the fourth round, obviously I'd like you to contribute. I'd love it if you were a great starter in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. But I'm kind of starting to look at special teams and what you can contribute there. But anyways, the the moment you've all been waiting for, kick and punt returners. I'll start off with kick returners. The top guy here is somebody you've probably heard of, which is nice, because otherwise it's a bunch of names that people are going to forget. Uh, But Dwayne Eskridge, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. PFF currently has 69th overall, 5'9", 189 pounds. Did I say PFF? I meant uh, the draft network. PFF has him like 159th. But he did have a very good uh, senior bowl and all that, so it may go up a little bit. But PFF sees him as a fourth-round prospect, possibly could go up because of his senior bowl. Um, which is important when you go to a smaller school. We want to see you compete against other competition and see what you can do. But as a kick returner, he had an 89.7 overall grade, 24.7 yards per attempt, and included a touchdown in that. And he's kind of new to it. He's been uh, at Western Michigan for five years and has never returned a kick prior to 2020. 2016, 17, 18, 19, he never touched punts. They decided on a shortened year, you know, they played six games, he returned it 19 times for 469 yards, 24.7, and got a touchdown out of that. So for an inexperienced guy to do that, that's pretty impressive. Next on the list is Puka Williams, running back out of Kansas, 5'10", 170. He's perfect for what we're talking about. PFF has him as a sixth-round prospect. They're top note on pros and cons, can't touch him in a phone booth. Seemingly gets faster out of his cuts. So, I mean, this is ideal for kick and punt returns, right? Especially punt return. that elite shiftiness. It's also cool because it would be nice to get a third running back. So you're talking sixth round, a guy like Puka Williams, who uh, uh, is sort of a later round, not going to blow your socks off kind of a running back, but also can give you a lot on special teams. Now, he only had seven returns in his career, which isn't, or not in his career, but in 2020, which isn't a ton, and six of them came in, in one game, so it's hard to really gauge this, but he did average... 28.1 28.1 yards per attempt and get a touchdown in 2020. So again, you, you, you take what he did, they only gave him seven opportunities in two games, and he ripped the doors off, 28.1 yards per attempt and a touchdown, and you add in what we already know about his elite shiftiness, and you know that he can do it. And again, I think he might even be a better punt returner than a kick returner based on the description of what he does. Avery Williams, who I already mentioned, is also top 10 on the kick return list. He does come in at number 10 as a kick returner. So again, he pops up as a great option. Punt return, Avery Williams is seventh, which is just crazy because none of the, almost almost none of the kick return guys are punt return guys. So that's, and again, add in that he's also a good special teamer. The guy's just, I mean, he's, I think he's going to go earlier than, than expected. Um, one of the top guys is Devontae Smith, but obviously he's not going to be doing any punt returning for wherever he goes. If a team puts him on as, as a punt returner, they're out of their mind. That's that's just insane. The injury risk is just way too high. Kadarius Tony is also on this list and is another guy that I would never expect to actually be on there. Although, if things don't really pan out, and, and one of the guys that did come to my mind that he reminds me of, not necessarily in terms of build, but just his play style and whatnot, is Ty Montgomery. So, you could see a situation where maybe it's not working as a wide receiver and he ends up being a kick returner, which would be, or a punt returner, which would be depressing. But uh, that would be the only way that could happen. The one guy, though, that uh, is sort of a later round guy that you could see being a returner if things don't work out as a wide receiver is Mr. Daz Newsom out of North Carolina. He's actually graded out quite well for three straight years, which is solid. And a lot of these guys don't necessarily have that, which is consistency. You know, it's one year we decided to do it and it worked out. Um, 2017, he didn't do it. 2018, 19, and 20, he did it, and he's graded out quite well um, every year, especially 2018. His career average yards per attempt is 10.7 on punt returns. He has one touchdown, that was in 2018, and uh, PFF currently sees him as a sixth round prospect. And again, just a guy that's described as super shifty, you know, can't bring him down, tons of broken tackles, good speed you know the problem is his ability as a receiver you know he's a body catcher instead of being a hands catcher which is an issue not a great route runner just a slot guy so he's kind of a prime um candidate to be a returner but um anyways i i should probably take a break but i'm i'm kind of out of time <laughs> but whatever we'll we'll take a break and we'll we'll come back i guess we'll make it work i'm just going to be a bit of a time crunch but i want to give a special shout out to uh Mr. Daniel Marquise, really, really appreciate the uh, donation via PayPal. It's above and beyond, my friend. I really, really appreciate that. As I mentioned, if you check the comment section, it doesn't have to be Patreon. You don't have to do a monthly thing. You can do a one time or whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, if you're able. Anybody that wants to help out with the show, I'll find something for you to do or how way that you can help. And um, Daniel, I appreciate you uh, finding out whatever works for you, my man. Uh, there is Patreon.com forward slash Pack underscore Daddy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. Of course, I would appreciate a five-star iTunes review. Make sure you are reviewing Packernet Podcast colon Daily Green Bay Packers Podcast and not something else, because, you know, sometimes that happens. I would tell you what the artwork looks like, but (laughs) iTunes doesn't know. If you look at it on Google, it's the old Pack Daddy logo that I got rid of a long time ago. Some of you have got updated logos. I've even seen Google put up, like, the Zadarius graphic that I have. Like, where did that come from? I've never used that as my podcast logo. So I don't know what's going on. Again, these uh, these things are not not great, but I, I do need a lot of, I mean, the 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 number one thing, and I know I've mentioned that the number one thing that would help me is, is for you just spreading the word, and that's probably true, but to be completely honest, the number one thing that needs to happen to help out this show is for iTunes to bump my show up when you type in Packers, because right now it's buried be- behind like yoga classes and something about the Puritans and like 17 other Packers podcasts, half of them haven't posted an episode in like seven years. Um, it's brutal and I don't know why their algorithm is so terrible. I've got Packers, Green Bay Packers, all that stuff right in the, in here. I've got it in my description. I've got the word Packers like 700 times in the description, daily episodes, tons of reviews, all that stuff. And they're still just like, nah, it's probably a garbage show about fishing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but, um, that is going to be the number one thing. So anything you can do to help, specifically a review, would be fantastic because about 70% of all my downloads, maybe more, come from iTunes. As much as I dislike iTunes, every single one of you is listening to me on iTunes. So there's nothing I can do about that. I'm I'm beholden to their garbage algorithm, and I would really love it if we could push that up somehow, some way. If you happen to work over there at iTunes, if you're the guy that just has uh, the button, if you could just push me back. I don't, I don't need to be number one. Just... Just kind of tweak it and force me up to, I don't i don't care, three? Just just get me in the general group. That'd be great if I could just hang out with the rest of the Packers podcast and not be down with uh, Mondays with Martha, Walking walkingthroughthegarden.com podcast. I don't, you know, whatever. Anyways, I'm, I'm wasting my own time and I just said we don't have any. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. Learn more at marines.com. Question from Christopher Malaguses. He says, what is our strongest position excluding quarterback? What is our weakest? I don't know, man. Um, I mean, process of elimination it's not offensive line. I don't think it's wide receiver. He said, I can't use quarterback. It's not tight end. It's not defensive line. Maybe edge, but probably not. It's not corner and it's not linebacker, which leaves us with running back and safety. I'll probably say running back just because... First of all, safety is one of those things where you could certainly use three at the same time. You definitely need two at the same time. So as far as depth for a team that, I mean, occasionally there might be two running backs, but usually it's just one. So we've got one of the better number ones out there and an extremely promising number two at safety. We've got a guy that's very, very good in Amos and a guy in Savage that was very good last year, and hopefully he can continue it. It's just, you know, we'll see. So I, I would probably say running back is our strongest, followed very closely by safety. Weakest position? I mean, linebacker has to be a strong consideration. Um, I, you know, again, Kamal Martin was really the only guy, and I know Packer fans hate when I say this because there's certain guys on the team that you guys love, but Kamal Martin was really the only one that did anything halfway promising, and the Packers don't really seem to like him. I think he's just limited athletically. He's not the athletic guy that, that they want. He's just a run defender. He does it well, but... I, it just feels like we don't have the guy that we need, and we got just sort of we've got our number two locked up, and we don't have a number one. And I don't think anybody that we've drafted, brought in, whatever, it has really any. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, if we're talking about positional importance, you know, we could move off of linebacker. But imagine if the same situation at linebacker were, were the case at any position, we would be up in arms. You know, some people might say offensive line that might be our most important in the draft. I don't think that's our weakest. We have the best left tackle in football. Elton Jenkins is fantastic. Billy Turner is serviceable. You know, we can make it work. If it was as bad as linebacker, where we've got, like, kind of number twos and backups and uh, we still don't really have, like, starters, that would be pretty dire. So that would be the answer that I would give to that question. Dylan Anderson says, uh, did Lucas Patrick's breakout play a role and moving on from Lindsley, Patrick had only played 650 snaps in his first three seasons, then played 1,086 last season. His PFF grade was identical to Elton's. I think he gets overlooked compared to Elton. Here's the problem with a couple things that that are in here. And my general answer to your question is no, because it assumes Lucas Patrick is going to be center. And again, I don't necessarily agree with that narrative. Lucas Patrick has played like 100 snaps ever at center. He's almost never played center. Didn't play it in college. Very rarely, rarely played it in the pros. And again, he didn't grade out very well when he did play center. Uh, number two, he did have an increase in snaps and a quote-unquote breakout. But I feel like you're 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 playing with with words here. You're you're kind of doing what the media does very very well by choosing your words very carefully to paint a certain picture a certain way. But you're really twisting things to go a certain way. So here's the reality. If I were to rephrase the way that you put it. Number one, again, Lucas Patrick is not a center. Maybe they'll put him at center, but he's not a center. He played eight snaps at center in 2020. So if he had a breakout, it wasn't because of his performance at center. So that should have nothing to do with Corey Lindsley. Number two, he did have an increase in snaps, but that's not necessarily anything related to do with his play. It has to do with necessity. We ran out of guys. Number three, and the biggest thing, he had the same grade as Elton. You failed to point out that Elton Elton Jenkins did not grade out very well via PFF, right? Very sneakily worded, but Elton Jenkins had a 67 overall grade. Lucas Patrick was a 64 and was the third lowest graded offensive lineman on our team ahead of Yash Nijman and John Runyon. So he did not grade out very well. He did not play center. And he got pushed, thrust into that position out of necessity. So no, I don't believe that he played so well that they said, we don't need Corey Lindsley anymore by any stretch of the imagination. And for those that are mad about the Elton Jenkins grade, the fact of the matter is he graded out fairly well as a pass blocker. They gave him a 62 overall run blocking grade. They just are not impressed with him as a run blocker. By the way, just to put this very concisely, who was the guy at center when Corey Lindsley didn't play center? Corey Lindsley played 734 snaps at center. He missed quite a bit. Who stepped in when he was out? It was Elton Jenkins. So I, again, I, I, just, I just think it makes more sense to put him there. Lucas Patrick was third with eight. He was our number one right guard, by the way, which is a position we need. So why, why wouldn't we just put Lucas Patrick at right guard? That's where he played, and that's a position we need especially since Billy Turner is, at this point in time, very likely our right tackle. Billy Turner played 244 snaps at right guard. Lucas Patrick played 708. So, no, I'm I'm, I'm impressed with the way that you kind of snaked your way around to come to that conclusion, but there was a lot of hopscotching going on there. Lucas Patrick is fine. I like him more as a backup than a starter. Um, he gave up the most sacks on the team with three. Third-most pressures of anybody on the team was 16. Billy Turner had 25. 25 at like a 50 less snaps too which is crazy oh billy but i don't know and and again maybe early on because things are going to be so stretched where we don't have bakhtiari um he may be forced at center because he's our number three center and and elton jenkins is probably going to be needed somewhere else he may be needed at tackle so yeah maybe early on but again to your main point was he forced out because of lucas absolutely not uh we'll do one final question here and i really got to get going um, Brian says, do you think the Packers would sign Geno Atkins, who the Bengals released at a reduced amount, since no one has jumped on him yet to, an, to upgrade their defensive line? I mean, it kind of falls in line with what I said about, well, pretty much any free agent. We don't have any money. And that's not to say they couldn't figure something out. Maybe they're still going to come to that restructuring of Aaron Rodgers' contract. That may still happen. They may come to a, a, a negotiation with Devontae. They, who knows what they could do to free up a little bit of money. But again, even if they free up like $10 million, we still don't have any money. Because we need about 10 to sign the draft class. And that leaves us with two, which is less than you'd like going into the season. You like to have a little bit of money in reserve so that when somebody goes down, we can go out and sign somebody. When Kevin King gets hurt, we can go out and get Sherman, except we can't because we have $2 million. So, no, I don't necessarily think that. Um, Not to say they wouldn't want to in other scenarios, but at this point in time, I just don't see how it's possible. Um, It's also worth pointing out that Geno Atkins had a really bad year last year. I mean, he's been a top-tier player. Um, But He's had a downward slide since about 2017. If we just look at his grades starting in 2017, 90, 81, 76, and then 54. He had three pressures on 107 attempts, which is less than 3%, which is pretty shocking. I mean, he only had a pressure in in two games at all. Now He didn't play a full season, so there must have been some kind of injury issues going on, which doesn't help when you're 33 years old, but 33-year-old guy, injury issues, had no ability to play last year whatsoever. Um, no, I don't think we're going to spend a dime on Geno Atkins. I know he's, he's a guy that's been historically very, very good, very, very talented. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, just in 2019, he had 53 pressures go back to 2017. Like I said, 70, I mean, at his peak in 2015, 85 pressures, 15 sacks. I mean, the guy was an animal, but that was, I mean, we're talking six years ago. So probably not. Anyways, again, I got to get going. Uh podcast tomorrow again will be dependent on how many Questions we have in Patreon. I haven't really looked at it or started collecting them yet, but uh, weekends are reserved for Patreon uh, question askers. If you'd like to make sure that there is a podcast tomorrow, you can uh, jump on. And I have to give you guys another link because some of you have been trying to get in there, but they just keep failing. But uh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, you only need to be giving a dollar a month, uh, the very minimum, to be able to access that link and get in there and ask questions. And then again, Saturdays and Sundays will be just for patrons. If there's questions, we'll do a podcast. If there's not, then we won't. Last week, we had enough for Saturday, not enough for Sunday. So anyways, have a great day. I'll talk to you hopefully tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.